welcome fellow traveller to the Tent Talks podcast, where we fight bad ideas with good ideas. Join Dr. Stephen Backhouse and friends as we pursue the renewing of our theological, social and political imagination. Welcome to Tent Talks. I am the Reverend Natasha Beckles. I am an Anglican priest within the Diocese of London. I am part of the Compassionate Communities team. And I'm passionate about children and young people, about the intergenerational gift that is the local church. And I'm particularly interested in helping schools and churches work well together to spiritually, pastorally and practically help children and young people. In this fourth and final episode, you will hear my discussion on the role of the church, which was explored prior to my involvement with the Compassionate Communities team. In the 21 months since I joined the team, we've been busy reimagining the theme of serious youth violence so that it's more accessible for local churches and church schools to engage with and really has a deeper understanding of contextual safeguarding and systemic work. In this episode, I'll be discussing the approach taken and some of the resources that have been developed. We are back again. We've been linking up with the Diocese Initiative Challenging Youth Violence, and we've been talking about all the factors that contribute to youth violence and trying to understand a little bit the story of the young people in our communities and the kind of things that just add up and leave people feeling disconnected. So we started off with kind of an intro session talking about the big picture. We talked about birth and bereavement, those kind of big life events that can really shape people, uh, really shape people's experience. We talked about education and belonging, uh, the role of education and how we can really support young people in that space and help education and schools to be a, a really safe space where they can grow and feel like they belong and how important that is actually. And then we talked a bit about privilege and power and kind of how this is not a problem that just affects one part of society. It cuts all the way through because young people who are wrapped up in, in youth violence and wrapped up in organized crime, that is fueled by people with privilege who were then you know wrapped up in the vices of addiction so that was a really I, I would really recommend if you haven't listened to session four privilege and power go back and listen to it it was some really hard-hitting stuff it's there with the rest of these podcasts and so this week we're, we're gonna be talking a bit about what our dreams are for how we can kind of be some part of a solution to this we're going to talk about the importance of community and we're going to talk about the role of the church as well and I <laughs> forgot to say but I'm here with Natasha again hi hey 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 no I'm, I was enjoying listening to that summary <laughs> of where we've been what a journey we've been on yeah but yeah Natasha has just got so much amazing wisdom around this so it's been so good to just be able to chat about it and obviously with your background um, working in a school for a long time in a very d- a difficult part of London for many reasons so you have so much knowledge around this stuff and it's just so good to just disseminate it and plant those seeds in other people's brains (laughs) my pleasure my pleasure so Natasha like a lot of what we've been talking about in terms of you know how young people end up in youth violence it's ways that they've become disconnected from community or they feel like they don't belong they end up on the margins and then they end up get you know being picked up basically by people who are looking out for that Mm. and getting wrapped up in organized crime so Mm. what are your kind of dreams your visions of how we can build community in a better way what are some of the the key things for you I think I'm always moved by you know the wisdom that comes um, from all communities you know Mm. I'm very much a creationist in the sense that you know all creation came through Christ and that Mm. I always expect to see the wisdom of God Mm. in every culture and one of those aspects of listening to that wisdom is that you know, you listen to the Global South, the voice of that, mm-hmm. that Global South mm-hmm. is often not heard. And it's a very well-known kind of wisdom. I can hear, we can hear you breathing. <laughs> um, 
Pete is gently rocking his beautiful daughter as well. He's multitasking <laughs> here, and and it's just wonderful to I'm hear that. The mic a little bit further from uh, No, no, no. It's you know, it's it's a very um, prophetic image of what this is about. You know, a child comes into the world and they need to be held by people that love. And we've ended up with a very kind of Victorian understanding of how family operates as if, you know, your family, you know, 2.4 is enough and you should be able to operate. And, and we, if nothing else that we've learned over lockdown, boy, that is a lie. Yeah. Because you need your support bubbles, you need your networks to raise a child. And, you know, it brings to the fore that a, a very well-known African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. And that's the role of the community. And God knows that because he set us in a church. A church is meant to be multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multi-economic, multi-multi-language, all of this. If you, you know, you look at Acts 2 and the beginning of the church, that's what church is. And it's a model. And, and, you know, one of my journeys since coming um, to St. Luke's has been coming to listen to people who think that not just in St. Luke's people outside of St. Luke's that will claim that you know a a community group can be the church and you know me just coming out of theological college I'm like no rebuke that that's not the same because you can have a, a, a group of friends a clique anything can come together you know a gang is a group of friends, you know, it could be a group of people who've been drawn together by different groups. The church is something different. And Mm -hmm. there's something in the charisma of what church is meant to be. um, Mm -hmm. That is, is qualitatively, you know, in terms of eschatology, in terms of all of those things is quite, quite different to what community is. So we live, you know, Kentish town is a community St. Luke's yeah. is a church and we and and we've also got to remember that we because we're more used to community and more um, focused on our own kind of family sometimes we fall back as church away from being church into being just community and I really yeah. want this to be a discussion about you know leaning in to the beauty that is church and that church should be it's about understanding that going back to that proverb it takes a village to raise a child. And I, I heard somebody say, and I forgive me, I can't remember who it is, so I don't mean to plagiarise them. But if the village doesn't raise the child, the child ro- grows up to burn down the village. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and we have got to know that we should have arms stretched out. We are interdependent people. If we've learned nothing mm-hmm. over the last year is that we need each other. And, you know, if you've just had a mm-hmm. child, if you've had a child this year, you needed people to talk to, you needed people to hold you and you felt the pain of the loss of not being able to go and get some respite at Christmas and just have somebody else in the family hold the the baby so that you could sleep or, (laughs) you know, just, just all of those things we felt. And, and, and I pray that as we continue in this journey, that we will start to release that idea that, you know, my kingdom, my castle, it's all about my legacy and my family and we're in competition with each other. Actually, we cannot do this. We, we have always been social creatures. We cannot do it this without each other. And we shouldn't be allowing people who are impacted by refugee experience or persecution or exclusion or xenophobia or anti-immigration policy to be pushed to the margins. There should be no margin. Yeah, that's the dream, isn't it? That that that, that is, is where we should no get margin. to. There yeah. is no margin. Yeah, the margin you know. is brought to the centre in a way that always God's doing that all the time and we need to learn as church how how do we how are we bringing the most vulnerable um, people in our situation and the fact is we've all learned that we are all vulnerable that's the bit there's no kind of sitting on a high high horse saying you know I've got a great education and you know I, I, I own my house and you know my family's got this this and this everybody had to face their Waterloo face their vulnerability in this year and we should not forget that it's not a label to put onto anyone else actually God allows us to have vulnerabilities so that Mm. we would be on our knees points us towards our our vulnerability should point us towards community and towards that kind of getting alongside one another Um, and and all of these are narratives that you can see in you know that you know Luke Christmas story of you know Jesus 
Mm. being born into this family of this unmarried mother with an older dad who we think tradition has it that the dad dies off at Joseph dies off at some point which is the bereavement kind of thing that goes on yeah single mother with quite a few kids by the looks of things they're persecuted by King Herod Mm -hmm. they they end up as refugees in Egypt I mean, you couldn't make it up the levels of and you see the story of Christ sweeping up all of these stories. So all of these Mm -hmm. stories coming. Think of the trauma and the stress that is going on for that baby. It is the one on whom, you know, the the earth is will be his footstool. But this is the journey that he chooses to embody. And we have to take seriously that he's showing us that is prophetic in itself, that he's telling us that, you know, he could have come into the world as the king. He could have come in with lotus leaves floating down. There's other religions that have that. Yeah. But he didn't. He chose, he was born in like a hovel, you know, let's, let's not make a, a, a stable. Look, he's born into poverty, born into all of those things. And if you think about his community, there's a bit in the first um, chapter of John 46 at verse 46 where the words that are spoken over the community does anything good come from Nazareth yeah anything you know and Nazareth. and these are the things that happen in community people choose a community oh that's a nice community it's got good schools mm. all of this stuff you hear we talk about it in the states as kind of how you know we choose our schools we choose all of these things to define and separate our kids from struggle from you know to give them the very best opportunity and we have to realize that we in doing that we're happy we're saying that we're okay for another area to have a child grow up in an area where you know people are saying not very nice things over that community and we abdicate that and step back from that and 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 that's that's hard Uh, we can't and sometimes in church I want to say this that we get this attitude like oh, you know, people are refugees and, you know, the country can't take any more. This is a God without borders. He created the whole earth belongs to him. You know, he's provided resource for all of us. And we need to like look at if we, we've got a, a, an attitude to people from other places or the foreigner or the vulnerable person Actually, we're saying something huge about our understanding of who Jesus was and is and will always be and who he chooses to um, identify himself with. And if we want to meet Jesus, we're going to have to get comfortable with not just being polite about it, challenging some of these perspectives in our churches, because there is more Mm. than enough resource. There's more than enough resource. So, you know, yeah, let's talk about that in terms of, you know, all of those scriptures around how a community responds, how we respond. Right now we're getting ready for to be a Hong Kong ready church. And we have to face the fact that we've just come through a pandemic, which was blamed by one of the leaders of our world on a particular country and nation. And now that community, members of that community are gonna be coming to our country and will be living in our community. And it's going to be the job of the church to stand up in a way that, sad to say, the church didn't stand up at the beginning of the Windrush. And that's part of the reason some of these communities have have struggled the way that they they have over the last 70 years. Mm. So we need to take Mm. to this is our second chance to be able to be hands and feet and catch you know this family that has nowhere to to land there was nowhere for them to rest their head they're having to run away from a situation and they're running into a community that that may not understand them or value them or respect them will the church be required to stand up be prepared church that we're going to have to be a voice it's not going to be okay as we've learned over the last year to virtue signal and say oh you know that's terrible you have to be able to get involved in that. Yesterday we were doing family worship gathering and the, the word that I came away from that was that love has an action. It just doesn't sit there yeah, and, yeah. and watch people go through those things alone and just think about it in some sort of disembodied understanding. It turns mm-hmm. up, it acts, it loves because God did this for us. We're, we're here with the grace to be able to talk about that and 
you know, I really want to call the church into this because this, going back to the, you know, serious youth violence, this has been hit with us for many years. Violence in young communities is not new by any stretch of the imagination. You'll see it, you know, even hundreds of years ago. But this particular manifestation of it has been going on for 30 years. And it's one of the great shames of us as a church is that we really haven't done enough. And I'm so grateful that the diocese wants to step into that because this is where we're supposed to be. This is what makes us church. This is, we don't want those experiences for those people who are arriving new because of all the difficulties that have gone on globally. And we need to be a people that do something about that. So let me, you know, you asked about what my kind of vision. Yeah, what are your dreams for us to like engage in it more? Than we have yeah I think it's first of all changing our mindset it's not your family against my family we need to move out of this scarcity either you believe in an abundant generous yeah. God or you yeah, don't that's really that's a that's the starting point yeah it's starting point we need extended family we need community we need church to be church church has to be the place where we grasp the difficult conversations and do that. Let's mm. not run away from it because that's the difference between just a bunch of people together and a, a, a group of people moved by who Jesus is. I think it's about us looking at our mission. And you know, we've got to remember the mission of God is this is not just social transformation. It's love in action. It's not, you know, excitable things that we get to do that make us feel like we did something for Jesus. Baby, it don't matter if you work all the days of your life doing great things in church. You're not doing anything for Jesus. He, he, you'll, you'll always be indebted to him. And I'm grateful to say that. I think that's a good po- human posture to be in. Yeah, yeah. Grace but, is the starting point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grace is the starting point. Real, and out yeah, of the yeah. overflow of that love that we get to joining with what God is doing what a privilege and actually we need to be a community that's connected to the rest of our community and working alongside we are not an insular sect in any way shape or form we're we're defending ourselves from the rest of the world this is the one faith where actually the whole reason we're here is for the people outside of the that's right the people outside the church we exist for them. And, really. and, and it's really yeah. about thinking about how, you know, we want to also step into the pipeline that interrupt that pipeline that has young people being thrown out from school, thinking about what culture, how we make a culture of belonging. And our church has to have a culture of belonging that makes people feel that, you know what, I don't care if you've got three horns, you're made in the image of God. You made in the image of God. I'm smiling because there's a baby about to start rapping on the mic. She's gorgeous. You're made in the image of God. You're loved by God. You're received by God. And, and we have yeah. to, to develop that so that the most vulnerable people in our community feel that way. Then, you know, maybe we need to interrupt that by looking at alternative provisions. How could we, the church, be involved? Be, you know, we run I think we've got a ridiculous amount of children in Church of England churches. The culture yeah, loads there, in our church as well. Exactly. Yeah. Church of England churches, it, it, we, we need to be interrupting that pipeline that is excluding mm. people. So we're looking at our cult, how we are as a community, that we would be into extended family and realise that mm. it takes a village to raise a child. It's about thinking about how can we interrupt that flow of um, young people who are under that financial stress that leads them, makes them vulnerable to being groomed. It's about, you know, and we want to do that through maybe a youth food bank. It's about looking at how we can reduce exclusions and think about alternative provision to help young people recover that and be a church that is prepared to, you know, reach out for the one. Yeah. It's like what, yeah. It's just like what you were saying earlier about bringing people, those people from the margins to the centre. And with youth violence, it's being there to, like you were just saying, interrupt that, interrupt that spiral, interrupting that that spiral of those young people who are we can we can see they're on the margins, we can see that they're um, getting isolated, that they're not connected. How can we really gather gather them in, be a place where they belong? So. I feel like we're just scratching the surface again. I feel like there's so much more we could do, but hopefully it's really uh, just uh, sort of wet people's appetite and started to get people hungry to think about this stuff more. 
man it really feels like we've just got going but I guess we'll just be talking about it more maybe it won't just be podcast maybe we'll be able to get people in person doing stuff mm. before long and, and really having some good conversations about this but bless you Natasha thanks everyone for joining us on this journey we'll say oh, goodbye man. god bless everyone take it easy bye-bye You will have just heard a, a younger version of myself talking about seriously violence. This, that, that conversation took place about two years ago now. And at that point, um, I haven't joined the Compassionate Communities team. We still had lots to think about as to how exactly we were going to make what we wanted to happen, resourcing for local churches, support for schools to come into a reality. And so in the second half of this episode, I'm going to talk through what we have been doing in the last 21 months. I will be particularly sharing what compassionate communities can offer. We'll be outlining some of the resources that I myself and others have been diligently working on developing and what we've done to turn that vision that originally came from a, a motion that was put forward in Rygate Deanery that eventually came to Southwark. Equivalent motions were raised in London Diocese as well. And uh, both dioceses have been working away in the background in their different ways through ecumenical partnerships and all, all sorts of joint working to have an impact on seriously violence. For London Diocese, my particular role as a mixed mode curate has meant that I've had a couple of days to look at what the paperwork, what was asked of us, and then to think about how what that might look back, look like, and particularly drawing my professional background to that. So what has changed? What has stayed the same? Well, initially, the motion was around serious youth violence and that title that delegated down to what was the original title for the Compassionate Communities team of serious youth violence. But one of the very first things to do was to look at that title and recognise that actually if you've got a serious youth violence incident going on in front of you, um, the church is, it has a role to play, but you need the emergency services as the the priority at that particular point and just the title alone in many ways was frightening was potentially frightening off churches and church leaders who were thinking well I can't do much about serious youth violence because I don't have the resources to do that so one of the first things that has changed is the actual title of the thread or strands that we're working in so as I've said before the compassionate community team we've got a number of threads that look at different acts or areas of compassion that the church is working towards and so serious youth violence was one of those strands we've now changed that name to safer communities for young people because it basically says what it is on the tin it it's it's about helping churches think about what they could contribute to help communities be safer for young people and we have a particular strap line strap line is safe spaces safe people safe relationships and you know what is the quality of a safer community is full of safe spaces where young people can be safe people who young people can connect with and safe relationships that shape and mold young lives that that developed further that, that those kind of initial kind of getting a sense of what it was that we were trying to achieve and what that looked like to give people a kind of vision of that. And from there, we were able to build some sub themes that allowed us to clarify what exactly it was that we were getting at, what were the different areas and obviously their objectives to a certain extent, you know, what would we be measuring our progress as to whether we had an impact in those areas. Well, these are the objectives to December 2025 at this point. For, there's four particular areas, communicating and envisioning, connecting and celebrating, building competence, confidence and courage, 
and some of our kind of belonging and blessing, thinking about the strategic projects or programs or packages that might be in place to help this work. And so I'm going to go through each one of those four areas and speak more at more length about some of those project areas so you've got an idea of what, what the resources are now. So in terms of communicating and envisioning, we really wanted to underpin the work with a theology that creates a vision and reframes this work as belonging to everyone. It's everyone's responsibility to be raising young people because they are, as I've said before, God's inheritance. And it really does take a village to raise a child. So one of the key aspects of this theme of communicating and envisioning what we're aiming to do is help people grow in compassion and awareness overall. But we're doing that by providing, first of all, a theological narrative around children, young people and community and really encouraging churches to enlarge their understanding and perspective of what family means. And that is happening actually through this podcast. It's happening through some of the blogs that are on our website there are video recordings, there's training resources that are there. So some of these will overlap with each other as to how it is we um, either are training people or are communicating a theological narrative. Then we wanted to produce a really creative prayer resource. I'll say a bit more about that, but that, that connected very closely into what was the theological narrative? And that theological narrative rested around the image of the Pieta, which is the most famous Pieta is by My Michelangelo and is in the Vatican. It's a sculpture. It can be an image. It comes in, in lots of different media and form. But its central focus is the relationship between two characters, Mary and Jesus, and particularly it's Mary holding her dead son, Jesus's body. The, the interesting thing about the Pieta is there is nothing in scripture that tells you that Mary was able to lay hands on her son, that that image actually happened. But it's, it's over hundreds of years has been a very useful image, drawing on Christian imagination, helping us to draw closer to God in spirituality, but also in awareness about some of the issues that beguile and beset us our contemporary times and so it's been a really interesting process to use that image to viscerally speak of seriously violence actually reflects the central tragedy of our faith and in that respect we want to draw on that image to help people think about why is it we as the church haven't stepped into it how is it we've not been able to see this motif, this narrative going on in our cities, in our communities. And so by using that image to develop the kind of theological narrative, we've, we've just extended that across into a creative prayer resource called the Pieta Prayer Resource. Um, it says what it is on the tin. That's like my general way. And, and by actually running a competition between London Diocese and Southwark Diocese, we've been able to draw together 12 wonderful images from some of the secondary schools across that area, those dioceses. And those images will be used to trigger prayer, but they're also supported with liturgy, um, intercession and lectionary selections that allow anyone to, if it, whether you're putting together a memorial or a funeral or a service of the word where you're wanting to, or a full on, you know, Holy Communion, where you're wanting to really reflect and use the the richness of the Bible, the richness of our tradition to help people sit and lament over this issue. And that has been complemented by some work that we've been doing in partnership with the children and youth team who are also part of the London Diocese, it's one of our sister teams, to really communicate effectively about what all churches can do, particularly emphasising the importance of a kind of preventative mission um, with children and families from the age of 0 to 18, 
So we're not waiting until we're seeing children that are being labelled as troubled children. We're wanting to think systemically about it. What can we do to interrupt serious youth violence by thinking, well, what was the bit that happened before that? The second kind of strand or sub-theme within Safer Communities for All Young People is connecting and celebrating. And that focuses on really affirming what is happening already in our churches, where connections are, and then reflecting on what could be improved, what quick wins a church could be doing to improve its provision so that it really has an impact and it helps to interrupt serious youth violence. We wanted to begin by researching what was out there, throwing that net out. So there's been research work going across the diocese around creating safer communities for young people just by creating a simple diocese map of the projects and activities. And we're wanting to update that annually and really invite those churches that we come across to fill in that so that we can get a, a real sense of the heart of how much work is going on. And we know that there is a lot of work going on and it might it that creates the opportunity for what is going on to be connected up, um, the experience, the practical experience and wisdom that's already been built up in particular areas can be celebrated and also shared. We're wanting to profile at least three different churches who are from that network to just give a, a voice, to give sound, to give life and shape to what it is that you could be doing in a church near you. We want to offer support at a deanery level to the churches to map the kind of multi-agency, what resources are within each of the parishes non-church resources that are there that churches can partner with to really be part of that convening power that the Church of England really has as an advantage to itself, that, that kind of role. We're also taking the opportunity to think creatively about the partnership work that could be going on with youth groups that are not Christian youth groups, but can be partners that we can learn from, partner with and grow together and um, building relationships with multi-agency teams, whether that's your GP or your pharmacist, just your schools and thinking really closely whether they are Church of England schools or not, that churches are getting the opportunity to think creatively, to think dynamically about how they can build relationships with different multi-agency groups and businesses to impact on this area. One of our hopes is that we'll be able to develop some prayer hubs of churches across the diocese who are engaged in serious youth violence and interrupting serious youth violence, perhaps get drawing them together for a termly or biannual meeting where we can pray for each other and really hear more about some of the challenges that are there. And then working with London Diocese Board of Schools, we have been working also with Southwark Diocese Board of Education, also the children and young people's team within London Diocese to really equip and encourage churches to get involved in the local school places of community ministry and mission with young people and really build their confidence to partner in this. But we realise that the connecting and celebrating, you don't just want people doing nice things, Christians doing nice things that are not that they don't understand the full impact of. And so there is an aspect around the third stream that is around building competence, confidence and courage. And this is about developing and really platforming the training, the support to really build the skills and culture within churches and in their relationship with church schools and with all of the schools that might be in their parish. This aspect, this particular theme, will really offer training to churches, whether we're signposting it to particular parachurch organisations, whether that's Power the Fight, which is started by Ben Lindsay, or Safer London, or Abianda. There's lots of groups that are there that churches could 
go-to target for training to really up the level of understanding within the church and gain some more confidence about what it is, what they feel that God is calling them into at this particular time. And I have been working on, I'm trained as a restorative approaches trainer and have worked on that in my previous background for a number of years. So I've been developing resources that are church focused, thinking about how restorative approaches, whether that's the language, the mindset, the approach, how is it we can be more restorative spaces that are far more effective um, and in my experience, um, at holding the full range of young people so that they grow the confidence that they are going to be listened to. Um, but really, it's a very redeeming process for those children who've already experienced exclusion or social isolation in some sort of way. Yes, and as part of that, we've also been thinking about how it is that we can get, we can help staff, we can help clergy to really engage in active listening of, of young people. We've got some people who are hugely gifted, gifted at empathic listening, and that's really important. But that the we also need that kind of listening that allows space for young people to know that they're being held in that space because sometimes they can feel it's a bit overwhelming for them. There is an adult there just creating space for you to, to talk into and sometimes young people shrink back. So how it is that we scaffold and dialogue with young people at the same time as making sure that their voices are being heard. I'll speak a bit later about one of the projects that we've come up with, which is called the listening process, which draws on that training particularly. Um, we're also going to be using in this strand of building competence, confidence and courage, really signposting and platforming organisations that can provide mentoring training, specifically training around mentoring, so that church members can confidently offer one-to-one -one mentoring to children, young people and families. And we're particularly doing that through Transforming Lives for Good, who have a programme called the Early Intervention Programme. We've also partnered with Safe Families, which particularly targets. So the early intervention program targets primary age children just going into secondary, whereas Safe Families looks at early years, the early years, and is really more of a support to the family as a whole. So a mentor who's coming along, supporting the family in that way. And then we have also got the XLP program, mentoring, national net mentoring program, which we have teams of people that have got any um, churches that have chosen to get involved in that, particularly targeting secondary age children. One of the other really helpful programs that we will platform as well is something called Circle of Security, which is part of the Connected Lives. Well, there's not many, I don't think there's many people who do the training around Circle of Security, but Circle of Security really looks at the attachment relationships between the parent and the child and how is that parents can really hold the different aspects of how at different stages as to how children develop and feel safe and confident to come back and bring their problems to their parents and, you know, really supporting the confidence of the parent to hold those spaces well. So this third strand also goes into promoting youth contextual safeguarding training, um, really promoting that, encouraging that for youth workers in partnership with the children and young people's team. It's being piloted in one of the London diocesan areas, certainly. Um, and we're we're looking at how that could be continued to be shared through through some of our youth apprenticeships schemes. Ideally we'd want more people to um engage with that and that's something we will we will hope to work towards over time. Then the fourth and final strand is thinking about belonging and blessing in particular what strategic projects or toolboxes do we have that help churches really foster belonging and foster blessing towards 
young people, supporting children, young people and families, particularly who are at risk or, or experiencing social exclusion. So this has led us into um, signposting, gathering support, convening support, offering advice, guidance, developing um, case studies on churches who've been wanting to set up outward facing youth provision. And how have they done that? That might have been through, we've had, we talked about mentoring earlier through safe spaces. This might be after school or drop-in youth club spaces um, where, you know, young people can have access to homework clubs from about 3.30 to 5.30. That slot has been chosen because that's the one of the risk times where some of these incidents really do, of, of serious youth violence, do happen. And so what can the, the church do to offer its space as a safe space, as a strong house for those young people who might be at risk of that while their parents may be at work? So it creates an opportunity for them to be gainfully um, focused on their learning for that period of time and working in partnership with those parents and communities that need it. Yeah, I have already spoken about the mentoring. So I want to also highlight um, some of the opportunities that we've developed through partnership work in schools and with community organising. We particularly focus on a process called the listening process, which is basically a planning tool, um, a resource for teaching, whether that's in school or in youth group, church youth groups where there's the opportunity to discuss some of the difficult issues that young people may be hearing about in the news, um, whether that's stop and search, whether that's situations that have gone on. We particularly focused on the child um scenario that happened and we worked in partnership with one of the London Church of England schools, the only one in Hackney, which is Erswick School. We also worked with, we partnered with the Centre for Theology in Community and really focused on how we could embed community organising and leadership skills in a, a programme that allowed the young people to talk and emotionally process what had gone on with that particular incident. I'm going to leave it to you to look into, find out more about the Child Q incident. You know, if you just type it in in London Hackney, you will find out the what happened there. It we felt it was really important to fight, to make space for the young people who lived in the vicinity of what happened to Child Q to really think through what that meant for them, what they were learning from that experience, give them space to express however they felt about it, but then refocus that to be thinking how constructively they could be using that and helping them understand how power works, the different forms of power and how they can engage with action that has an impact. Um, and it was it's really quite exciting to work on that project because the evaluation from it was very much highlighted how much those children who were had been coming up in church in the Church of England school we're then seeing the connection between their faith and some of the justice issues that were in their community and that the two fitted together and that they could, could find ways to be constructive and really highly effective in, in communicating to their schools, communicating to key players within the civic life of their community to help them understand how they were feeling about that particular issue. Now, the idea with the listening process is that you can, you, it's a template and it just gives you guidance as to where, what ideas or what kind of quality of resource. Some of them are pretty much the same, could be reused for more than one topic, but um, it allows you to find content that the, and then really set the young people off working in teams together to um, do the research around it and connect with their own passion about the subject. So, you know, that's another one of the resources that we have developed. In addition to that, I think I've spoken about the Gator Prayer resource. We effectively ran a competition 
between the two dioceses and what that produced for us were some cards drawn from the young, the winning images and also a pack of postcards, so bereavement cards and postcards, as well as drawing on various people from the community who were front-facing with this particular issue, an opportunity to write structured prayers um, around the topic so that it could be became a resource that you could print out or would be as a booklet so that you could um, lead prayers in times of crisis. So really helpful for um, clergy who might be in a church that has suffered one of these incidents or in a school that wants to regularly talk about and pray into the issue to help create space for the young people to share their experiences and also um, process their the, the feelings that they may have about that and bring all of that to God in prayer and worship. And that resource has been quite exciting to watch. Well, I, I, I suppose very deeply I feel that this is an issue that's not going to change unless people are praying about it. So the more that we can structure and support, not because we're loving structure, but to give people confidence to pray on the subject and also ensure that they're praying in a way that is actually helpful to those people who are most readily affected by these issues, who have been affected, who are at risk or may feel have different relationships with different authority um, agencies such as the police or even school so that there's space for that that has real compassion for those people who are caught up in this who have been hurt harm and affected by it as well as those people who are you know a lot more distant to the issue just giving them the right kind of language that doesn't have endless prejudices in it yeah so those were some of the key areas and I feel like in total we now have a good range of toolkit resources that can be used so you know there's there's lots of creative opportunities going on all around that we now need to I, because I will be giving up my particular role and moving on to other things hopefully there will be somebody else who will be able to pick up the baton and now has the resources and can work with um so our kind of outcomes are that have been produced not our kind of evaluated impact but our outcomes have been a map or across the diocese of the churches that in, that are engaged around this particular topic, prayer resources for churches, for schools, for anybody in between. There's a Pieta Arc um, competition that has taken place. We've got some youth or contextual safeguarding um, training that's available. We've got some restorative approaches train, training available. There's active listening process training available and we're signposting churches to mentoring support and you know building up a bank of some of the case studies that are out there in the community and not least we have this podcast as well some of our key partnerships have been with TLG, XLP, Safe Families, Abianda, Safe for London, some of the violence reduction units both in London and outside, we've got partnerships with um, Bedfordshire as well. The London Diocese Board of Schools, the Southwark Diocese Board of Education is children and youth team. We've been partnering with the area teams. I did forget to say that, you know, we spent a lot of time going around to some of the deanery synods and really enthusing them about this subject. Working with Southwark Diocese as a whole and other charities such as Power of the Fight, so it's been a real privilege to draw all of these multi-agency teams together, draw on their expertise, ask them questions and be challenged by them as well. And I think that's really contributed to us being able to, be able to put together a very creative range of resources that churches can engage with. So I, think, I hope that's given a kind of idea of what we have done, you know, what we're hoping to achieve, what we want to see churches get involved in. And have I got some last reflections? I, I, I guess I do. 
please do visit the Compassionate Communities website. They can be found at compassionatecommunities.org. So I really ask that you pray about this issue, not only for us here in London and in the UK, but for wherever you are. Children are God's own inheritance. And if this series has made you think about contextual safeguarding in your own community, that's a good thing. If it's helped you to see the spiritually contested circumstances in which birth, childhood and adolescence exist, that's a good thing. So I'm praying for everyone under the sound of my voice as this issue is not going to change. I've been really thinking about Genesis 3.15 where it says, God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers and he will crush your heel and you will strike his heel. We've got to remember that human birth, growth and development is a contested process. You know, the incarnation is contested. And historically, as the church, we have taken that seriously. But in this generation, we really need to think deeply about what that looks like and be ready to take up that baton and see this complex issue as our business, as church business. Ultimately, what we want, what our children and young people need is safer communities for all children, for all young people. And the church has a key role to play in convening, in preaching, in teaching, in advocacy, and when necessary, rebuke on what goes on, on behalf of these little ones in our homes, churches, communities, and in the public square. Cannot be denied. No one can deny that the church has frequently got this wrong or been part of the problem. So we've got a lot of ground to make up, we think. So I really want to leave us, you know, with a Bible passage to meditate on John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This has been Tent Talks and I'm really grateful to you. you for listening. Thanks to David Backhouse for the theme tune and to Chris Marchand for editing and all the other music. This show only exists because of support from listeners like you. If you have found something we made to be useful, please consider becoming a patron at the Tent Talks Patreon page or leave a good review on whichever podcast platform you use to listen. This really helps. For more information, visit www.tenttheology.com.